Welcome to the Bliss Broker Podcast, a place to come and dive into the lives of people who've lived life's biggest moments and experiences, good and bad. Join us here every week as we focus on human interest pieces from all over the world. Tune in to get inspired, think outside the box, and find your bliss. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bliss Broker Podcast. Now, you're in for a little treat this week. I have been gifted the audio file from an interview that I did with my friend Rodney. He's the host and creator of a podcast called A Brother of a Certain Age. We had a conversation back in January. It went live on his platforms in March, and I really wanted to share it on my platform for two reasons. One, to expose you to Rodney. He's amazing. He's got a great podcast. And two, to share the information because I know that there's something in there that will help somebody who's listening, who's struggling with a hard time right now. Um, So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and share the episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. If you are following me on Spotify, be sure to give me a follow. If you are listening on Apple, please subscribe. And if you leave me a review, just know that you've got an opportunity for the review to be read at the beginning of the podcast. You guys have a wonderful day. Enjoy the episode, and I'll see you on the other side. Harmony, a.k.a. the Bliss Broker. What's going on? Nothing much, man. Just recording today, doing some podcasting. As you know, I took a hiatus Mm. for a hot minute. I realized it was almost... Got it. November. I did my last podcast at the beginning of November and then went going through all my stuff. I didn't record again until that one I put out last week. And as we record this, it's January 25th, which is hard to believe. So yeah, it's nice to be back as the bliss broker in more more ways than one. Right. So the bliss, I looked at some of the definitions of, of it. So a couple of things I saw in there. One was perfect happiness and the other one was great joy. Other words associated with bliss, paradise and heaven. I'm down with all those words. <laughs> That's what I was feeling. I was saying, sign me up. But since you're the, you're the bliss broker, you're going to lead the way. How are we getting there? <sighs> Lots of freaking work, man. It's just, it takes work. I mean, that one of the quotes that I'm like a library of quotes and all the work that I do every day, as you well know, being my peer in our Voxer accountability group. But I heard it said somewhere that happiness is a place that we vacation, not a place that we live. And that really just touched me in such a big way because happiness is such work. Like it requires daily, daily conscious awareness of how we choose to move through the world. And it's 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 uh, worth every second, though. I will say that. Yes. And, and a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, being honest with yourself, too. I know a lot of your focus on is on, you know, being honest with yourself and being transparent. Yeah. So that is I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that I was just gonna say I in doing that, you know, for the last couple of years, I've been doing them the last year. I don't even know when I created the Bliss Broker. It's been sometime in the last year. Um, and then all this stuff bubbled up with my current relationship and wow, did I realize how much work I still needed to do. I did want to say that. That's something I'm going to start sharing with everybody, you know, respectfully keeping his privacy because there's two people involved here. But it's crazy, Rodney, to, to go through that and be pumping out IGTVs and pumping out, you know, podcasts about growth and showing up the way that I was showing up for my life. And it just took one little 
derail and you realize, okay, I, I still have a lot more work to do, you know, stuff that I wasn't focusing. I was more like I was doing the work, but I wasn't doing the real work, like digging in deep to the things that need to be, um, cleaned up and swept away in order to get to a place of bliss, you know? So I, when I started listening to you, it was your, the podcast name was Harmony's War Cry. Yeah. And, and we know you love that name. Yeah, I did. That, to me, that was like, that was a solid name. And then the switch to the, to the bliss broker, why the switch? I think it happened organically because when I started Harmony's War Cry, I was in a really, another growth opportunity is how I'm looking at a dark, dark night of the soul. And really just without even knowing it was cathartic to get on record and just turn my cell phone on, you know, again, at that time I wasn't focusing on sound quality and all that anchor was available. And I thought, Oh, I'll get on and talk about the things that are going on in my life, how possibly I got here. And Harmony's War Cry came up because I was really <sighs> screaming out for my own mental health and screaming out for the people that I know are suffering in the world with, you know, interpersonal relationships, personal identity, trauma that they've not handled, you know, or wouldn't even know where to begin. And I thought, what an ideal name, Harmony's War Cry. And then as the time went on, I was healing throughout that process. And I just felt like it was time to kind of move into a different bracket of the brand that I was pushing. And though I still will always be Harmony's War Cry, and essentially what I do is a war cry, I feel like, especially when I do those solo episodes. Um, but I really wanted to get into a place where I was kind of, I guess, putting people in a position where they could focus on the good and what they're trying to attain and make that more the focus of my brand rather than kind of like a scream for help. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And, and meanwhile, though, you're going through your own thing. So how do you provide, you know, quote unquote bliss for people when, you know, you, you, and I, nope, we know everybody's dealing with stuff, but how do you provide that bliss while going through your own journey? Well, you know, it's it's empowering to help people and it's empowering to to not feel alone in your struggles. We're all going through something, as you said. And I have just found that before Internet, before podcasting, before social media, all that stuff, I've always reached out to help people. It's always made me feel good, um, not necessarily to take the focus off of what I was going through, but it was just nice to share my story. I felt like every time I shared my story in conversation with somebody years before the bliss broker ever came to be, it was, it was healing to me to talk about the traumas that had happened to me without shame associated with them. And as time progressed, I just realized, wow, if I, if I can help somebody in their struggle of what they're going through, realize that they can make it from a dark side to, a, you know, to the light of their life and get to a happier place. That is so rewarding. Like I can't, I can't, unless you felt it and I'm sure you have because you help people too. It's hard to explain that to somebody. Like my husband never really, I think fully understood. Why do you feel like you need, need to save the world? And it's, it's not that it's just like community. It's just really wanting to let my tragedies not be in vain, let somebody learn from them. And so really it just got to a point where it feels good to help people and it feels good to share my story. And if my story can help somebody, I'm down. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a win-win for everybody involved. I'm going to get back to, um, you yeah, mentioned shame. I'm going to get back to that. So I want to note that. 
um, you're you more geared towards at this particular point um, helping women. And the obvious answer is because you're a woman, that's why you want to help women. But what was it about, you know, your your fellowship with women that the things that you see that made you want to help women in particular? I think because I'm a very communicative woman and I'm a strong woman and I still found myself in a place where I wasn't using my voice. And I feel like that is a virus. <laughs> I think that I don't know if it's generational trauma. I don't know if it's societal stuff. I don't know what the root of the issue is, but I feel like I can only speak from a heterosexual point of view because it's what I know. It's what I'm familiar with. It's what I've experienced. But I have seen how easy it is for me to be a strong, independent woman in every other aspect of my life. But when it came to my romantic relation relationships, I wasn't as empowered as I, I was in the rest of my life and the other areas of my life. And so I thought, you know what, there's got to be a lot of, a lot of women that are struggling with this inability to speak up and stand up for themselves in relationships because they want love so much. They want connection so much that they will put up with things. They will not set boundaries. They will not, they will see red flags as little beautiful pink flags and they'll make excuses for men. And, and it's not at all about man hating in any way, shape or form. I am all about equal. I love men. Um, I would never bash on a man because they're struggling with their own thing too, which is a whole other episode probably for us. But, mm. you know, we do the best that we can with what we have. But I feel like I wanted to use what I learned in my life to share that story with other women so that they can maybe have a little bit of awareness about it when they meet somebody or when they're in a relationship and they find themselves feeling restricted or, you know, um, controlled or even in a minor way, kind of emotionally abused or criticized or, you know, and find their voice so that they can go find a healthy relationship. That's not going to be one where they have to play small. That was what drove me. So you, you talked about being strong and still struggling. And I'm guessing that, you know, when you, um, I have talked, I brought up transparency earlier. I guess when you're transparent and you show people that, especially women in a particular case, that you're strong, but you still have struggles. I imagine that that endears you to people. And um, I'm guessing you get a lot of people reaching out to you. I do. I have so many people reaching out. I've had people reach out that I don't even really have a relationship. Um, one woman from overseas that was, you know, suicidal that had stumbled upon my podcast somehow, some way, and just basically sent me a casual Instagram post about, you know, thanking me for showing up and talking about the things that I talked about. Um, that, you know, it deterred her, it deterred her from, you know, really thinking seriously about killing herself. Mm. And if that doesn't make you question every time you debate whether you want to show up <laughs> or not, I don't know what will. Like, you know, I just, I'm hap will happily throw myself under the bus and throw my raw dog stories out for everybody to hear if it means helping somebody go, oh, I'm not we're unworthy. I'm not broken. I'm not, you know, worthless. Like that to me is, I just think we all need to be here more for people, for each other. You feel, you feel like when it comes to, um, shame, that's probably what keeps people from sharing. Even when they see somebody struggling, it's like to get yeah. people really to invest that time and that energy that's showing up every day, you know, that shame of not, you know, of, of, of judgment, you know? So, Obviously, because you said it, you've dealt with it. Um, 
when did like when did you or what was it that made you say you know what I, you know I don't care I, whatever it is I'm just gonna do it because I, you know it, it's it, it takes a lot it takes a it lot does. to do that it does and I I don't know why I I don't know why I I guess I've just always kind of had this if I was being honest, I've always had this side of me that was kind of like, just let my freak flag fly, like be harmony. Mm. I've always been like that. Mm. Um, not in anybody's face, not expecting anybody to be like me or anything. I just have always been harmony. <laughs> um, however, uh, I guess I just got to a point where it just is apparent to me that shit happens to all of us. Mm. The numbers associated with molestation, and sexual assault, and self-medicating and alcohol abuse and um, loneliness and your inner critic telling you that you're a piece of shit every day. And like all of that is something we all deal with. And so I thought to myself, what's the worst that's going to happen? They might criticize me in their circles or whatever, but deep down they're going to know that they're struggling and they're going to be like, damn, she's and if they are criticizing me, they're never going to have the balls to do it to my face. So keep on with your bad self. You know what I mean? Like, say what you're going to say about me over there. I'm never going to know about it because people don't generally approach me with anything negative because I am a little bit intimidating. I will own that. I'm finally taking ownership over that. I don't mean to be. I just am very – people don't know what to do with a woman that is like, I'm here. This is who I am. People are a little scared of that sometimes. So um, – but I just, I guess I got to a point where I realized people are going to be critical and judgmental of me and have their opinions about me, regardless of whether I'm walking some walk, I feel like will be accepted or if I'm being just harmony. I just realized it's a lot easier just to be me yeah, for the <laughs> and rec- be criticized for the rec- truth. For the record, you do talk a lot of shit. <laughs> I do talk a lot of shit. But it's good though. You, you know, in my experience, um, being around you, it's always with a smile. It, you know, it comes from a, a place where you're not, it doesn't sound like. You know, it's not mean spirited. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I think, you know, giving advice and or at least, you know, counsel. It's a little easier to take or criticism, a little, a little easier to take when the person can, you know, almost like that. um, That Southern bless your heart thing where, you know, it's like bless They're your really heart. They're really saying here's a big F. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you might you walk away feeling good. Like, man, she blessed my heart. And I mean, maybe when you get home, you realize that really. That really wasn't what she meant, but message received. Um, so I know you read a lot of books. So yeah. let me just say, because I know you um, outside of what you do professionally, I have a little bit more insight. So I've had plenty of conversations. So some of this, this is going to be me, you know, doing my research, but my research is actually interacting with you. I love it. So you read a lot of books. What you reading right now? Well, what am I reading right now? Oh, um, it's actually called Signs, and it's really a good book, and it's basically about um, whatever you want to call it, whatever your source of spirituality is. So God, Buddha, you know, whatever it is your choice, your source of spirituality, um, how it delivers us with intuitive messages every single day if we just open to them. And it's you know, looking back at 45 years old, looking back at my life, I can say that I a hundred percent agree with that because we do have gut feelings. We do have intuition. And I feel like 
though that's not a business book, it definitely helps me when it comes to the Bliss Broker brand and dealing with interacting with people and getting to know myself, which I can only be as good in my business as the Bliss Broker if I fully am aware of who I am, which has been a huge thing for me to realize that I've made it to 45 and there's so many things about myself that I'm not very clear on. Right. That's been eye-opening. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. this book is helping with that. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I, I would agree that, you know, I'm 47 and I'm still, you know, a couple of years ago, it was like some a major shift in my mindset and things that I, you know, believed in or things that I put value in just don't have that same value like they used to. So it's something to be said even, you know, for, for, for people maybe 20 or 25 or 30, like two, here are two people in their 40s saying, yeah, you, you know, <laughs> I don't have anything figured out right now. <laughs> like zero. And I hope to know, ne- I mean, I hope the learning process is going to have to keep going. I mean, it's just, it's a never ending thing growing and learning. And I, I, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about getting to know who I am and what makes me tick and why I gravitate towards the people and the things that I gravitate towards. Like, I want to know why. All right. So some of the topics you dealt with on um, on your podcast, uh, racism, mental health, grief, trauma and resilience. What what topics do you enjoy the most? Because I know you can you, you just listening to listen to the diversity of the programs. And, you know, I know you can pretty much go toe to toe about anything. And you seem to do it with that passion and energy. Like, What are your favorite things to really talk about? Women, uh, well, women and men, both. I've had both on my show. Perseverance, just how they've pers- persevered through life's stuff that it delivers us every day and how they've overcome and, and gotten to a place of empowerment in their life where they not only are creating a beautiful life, business and personal, but they're also a ripple, you know, creating a, they're a ripple creator. They're, they're taking what they've learned and how they've grown and sharing it with the people around them, which is, it's contagious. And I think the more enlightened we get, the more we support one another and show each other it can be done in whatever avenue that is, we're only all going to benefit. Mm. So it's those stories of, you know, fighting through something traumatic in your life and getting to a place where you're like, I think I'm okay. You know, right. Right. like that's huge. Yeah. It helps. It helps a lot of people to, you know, knowing that, you know, they're not alone. There was, um, Years ago, short, long story short, I was I, I was interacting with somebody who used to go to the beach to get rid of all of her problems. And she said that she used to turn her back to the water and um, tell her problems. And the, the it was like something like the, the the water crashing on the rocks was applause and every grain of sand represented another person with a problem. So when she was at the beach, she didn't feel so alone. She felt like all these people have problems. And, you know, it, so now keep in mind, I that was on a, a date when I was like 16. So at 16, I you know, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> But for her, I would love to know where she is right now. Yeah, Probably. But I always you know, something amazing. I always remember that. I always remember that stuff comes that comes back to me as I get older because, you know, those times where you feel alone and you don't have it figured out. I remember, man, I was 16 and it was a it was a young lady who like was already going there with her life. She was already looking deeper than just getting in the car because it was we went we she picked me up. We went to a movie and went to the beach at six wow. at 16. You know, what I'm thinking. 
<laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but we went there, and I still remember that to this day. Other than the disappointment, I still remember um, to this day that you know there. When I when I look back, I see man, there's people out there who really are looking and searching for answers, and they're not finding them, but they're, they're going to continue to look, and they know they're not alone. So I definitely I love I love story I love comeback stories. I'm definitely going to get more transparent with this podcast. I'm still learning how to do it. I learning I'm learning by listening to you guys and interacting with you guys. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I did want to yeah, say that. I agree. All right. So what about um, tr- being transparent? Have you feel like you've always been transparent when it came? I agree, yeah. When I it- feel like I've always been a little bit like march to the beat of my own drum. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, I mean, my mom tells me stories all the time about, oh, your doctor, when you were three, said you enunciated your words really good for a three year old. And, you know, you just I, I played. I was this only child. And so she said you would just go off and be on your own like you weren't you were just different than any other kids that I knew, you know, any other kids in my family. And so not to seem arrogant or like, Oh, I'm special. Uh, But I have always felt like something was different about me. If that makes sense. Mm. Just something that, that I wasn't typical to how a lot of people move through the world. And I, yeah, I've always kind of been a person that was like questioning thing. I always questioned stuff like, if, if I felt like somebody was saying something that was a bunch of BS, I'd be like, wait, what? Like, that's not jiving with what you told me. And sometimes I would do it lightly, and other times it would m- maybe be an argument or something. But I've just kind of always had, I don't know even how to word it. Interesting, though. I'm going to write that down and question myself about that later. Because, again, that's like that whole process of me getting to know myself. Mm. Why do I, you know, if anything, the separation with my husband is brought up is less focus on him and and judging him or or yelling at him and in, in my mind what role did i have in this you mm. know what i mean yeah so i don't know there's definitely something going on with me i'm not sure, real sure what it is i'm not saying i'm like you know the next freaking buddha or anything i just mean that there's been always something about me that has questioned reality questioned relationships questioned the whys behind things always been fascinated with what makes people tick like if me and you were to go and have a conversation, I'd want to know everything about like, why are you where you are in your life now? What was it like when you were 21? Like, I want to know everything about other people. And that's pretty rare in this day and age. Wouldn't you admit? Most people are like, it's me, 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 me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So since you said that, what were you like at 21? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, Fun. I mean, I've always been adventurous. I've always been love to travel and go on road trips by myself. Love to go to live concerts. Um, I always worked two jobs. So at 21, I was just bartending, just started my bartending career in Charleston, South Carolina, which was amazing at a little beach bar. I was also um, cleaning residential places down at the beach. Um, I've always been a hard worker, but at that time, I was partying a lot, mm. as you can imagine. Yeah. 21, oh, living yeah. on a little beach. I lived on the beach. I literally lived like just walking distance from the the bar where I bartended. Mm. So I was drunk every day, was hung over every day, some combination of the two, but I was having a ball. I was making $800 a week, sometimes cash money. Mm. <laughs> I mean, just blowing all of it. But 
I mean, I was living life. I was having a good time. Wasn't hurting anybody. Right. And she paid her taxes. IRS, just in case you're listening. She I absolutely paid my taxes. Yep. <laughs> always, always. I uh, just was living the life, man, down at the beach. I'd wake up in the morning and the first thing I would do was stroll down the road and I'd go swimming in the morning. Like I was such a like stereotypical beach girl, mm. you know, because that's how I'd book. I'd go swimming. I was always in my bathing suit. I was always in flip flops or barefoot. I had a beach cruiser. That's how I got back and forth to work. Like time of my life. I wouldn't take it back for anything. Yeah, it sounds sounds like you probably would do well in San Diego, like somewhere. That sounds like that kind of that kind of beach living where it's just like, hey, man, wherever the day I'm going to work yeah. hard. But wherever the day takes me. Absolutely. Uh, so what was like the change for you as far as, I mean, at 21, you can, well, we know people still living like that. So first of all, you know, people are still living like that. But like for you, you know, why even if you're having a good time, why even do any, why do something different? Because there's something to be said about having too much fun. Mm-hmm. You got to have boundaries. You got to have rules. And I didn't have any rules. I was just kind of flying by the seat of my pants. You know, I started getting little, um, you know, drug offerings in my tip jar. You know, I couldn't go into the bathroom if a girlfriend was in there and they'd say, who's that? And if I said, it's Harmony. Oh, you want a bump? Like, you know, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll take a bump like middle of the day. No problem. No rules. I was drinking every day. And obviously because I was drinking every day, I wasn't in good shape. So I felt bloated, even though I was 21, I just felt, just got to a point after a very short amount of time that I was like, I can't, this is not what I want my life to be. And I needed some, I needed some rules because I was bartending one day and I worked the bar day shift. So Monday through Friday, I was there from 10 to usually six in the afternoon, which I would never go home. I'd always just flip sides and start drinking with everybody and go stumble home. But I would have people waiting, bar flies. I'd have them waiting there for me to open the door and open up the bar at 10 o'clock in the morning. And there was usually this one woman and a guy they were always, they weren't together, but they were just ready to sit and perch and drink all day. Mm. And this woman, I remember having a conversation with her when we first met and I, I asked her, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. And I, even though I was only 21 or 22, whatever I was at the time, I think she was like 35. And even looking back, I was like, I re- I'm hopefully I didn't have a reaction, but I, she looked like she was 60. I'm pretty she sure. Just, I'm pretty sure you she, had a reaction. She had a couple teeth hanging out, you know, she had the, the drinker's pot belly, super nice woman, super, super nice woman. I always enjoyed talking to her, a lot of trauma in her past, as you can imagine. Um, but I just, I had an epiphany one day and I was like, Harmony, if you don't get out of here, that's going to be you at 35 mm. run. And I just realized I wanted more. And I, I looked around at the people that I was around, God bless them. And nobody cared if I was going to school. Nobody cared how I was trying to advance in my life. It wasn't that kind of crowd. They were all amazing, but they weren't conducive to any personal development <laughs> whatsoever. So I was like, I need to go somewhere else for a little while and see what I can't figure out about myself. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I find like when I talk to people that change their life around, ultimately it comes to them looking at the people around them. And then, you know, like you say, you love them. But yeah. Looking at the they people around them and, and then going, ah, you know, and there's usually one older dude or woman in the crowd and you look at them. And it's like, yeah, that's that. Is, that's where that. But how do you learn how to set boundaries when you don't have any? Like, how do you go from no boundaries to even because even, you know, when you're young, 
one of the things that happens when you're young is when you look at people in their circumstances, even if they're in the exact same situation, you go, yeah, but that wouldn't happen to me. Right. You know, so how do you go from like, how do you start setting boundaries when you don't have any? In that situation, it was really interesting. And I actually just had epiphany right this second about what happened and how I can circle that back around to where I am right now. So you hear a lot of good spiritual leaders say, in order to find answers, it's important to get quiet. Um, that's exactly just made that connection live on Rodney's podcast. Um, there you go. I had a, I usually worked every day in some capacity. I was working every day. If I wasn't working, I was at a bar. There was, you know, this island was really small, Folly Beach, and there's a lot of bars. It was easy to like trip and fall into a buzz, no doubt. And I remember this day, I decided I made a conscious choice to stay home. I had a day off and I made a conscious choice for whatever reason that morning, Harmony, you're not going to the bar. So I stayed in my apartment all day and about four o'clock in the afternoon, I think it was, Oprah came on, my girl, and I, I sat down and watched her episode. I wish I could remember what episode it was. And I remember sitting on the couch watching that episode with her. I think I had a cat on my lap, if I remember correctly, I did. And it must, it was obviously something about personal development. And right in that moment, watching that show and having that peace, I didn't have my roommate wasn't home. I wasn't surrounded by booze and loud noise and all the things. A message, God, whatever, said, go up, leave, get out of here. If you want more for your life, it's time to leave. It's time to do something different. And I kid you not, in that quiet moment with myself, off my hamster wheel of everyday life, I made a decision and I had that epiphany and followed it up with, I think within two to three weeks, I had had a yard sale. What I didn't sell, I gave away, sold my car. My mom came down, got all my things that I wanted to keep and took to her storage. And I was on a plane with my cat, went out to California for a couple months and uh, just did a reset. I did a hard reset <laughs> on Harmony and if it wasn't for that moment, sitting on the couch with my cat, sober, watching Oprah, I mean, maybe another one opportunity would have, you know, would have come to learn that it was time to get out of that that chaos I was in. Mm -hmm. But again, it's just the quiet. I just I had a moment where I was alone in my thoughts and I had the awareness to say, you deserve more. It's time to go. All right. So you, you, you take your plane. You land, yep. Yep. you start to reset. Um, was the was drinking eliminated, partying eliminated, or it was just um, just the you wanted a, a different atmosphere? Like what what changed immediately, and what didn't change? What did you have to like wean off of, and what was some things that you just said? All right, I can no longer do this. Well, it was interesting because I was out of my normal, and I've done that before. I've, I've done that whole leave and get away thing multiple times before. And I usually always run to California. I did it at 19. Um, but this particular time I, my whole family lives out there. And so my environment changed. I was now around my cousins. I was around people who didn't make partying their life. I got to see my grandparents, you know, or my grandma. Um, and I was just, I was at the beach. I was in a place where I had memories because that's where I was born. And, you know, I just, 
I was in a different environment and and in taking myself out of the day-to-day crap that I was in in Charleston, you're immediately, as soon as you take yourself out of any typical environment or your norm, you're going to start thinking differently about stuff. You're going to start seeing people live in life in a way that maybe you are aspiring to live to. And I was like going to get frozen yogurt with my cousin and her baby. And like, you know, it's just a different, it's just, just, it wasn't just in my little bubble of partying. And so automatically my thoughts, my thought patterns changed. Still partied here and there, but didn't have a whole lot of money, didn't have a job. So right (laughs) right there, I'm kind of cut off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just was it like, that's why I like to call it a hard reset because I had to stop. I was like couch surfing on my relatives' couches. Um, I had to ask myself, well, what are you going to do? You don't have a car now. You don't have a job. You're in California. What's your plan? I had to figure it out. Yeah. You feel like you went, you, you feel like you went from like being arrogant to humble or you feel like it was more like you still had a little bit of that fight in you like, yeah. Just but a couple as as the longer you stayed on the couch, the the more it's kind of sunk in that yeah, it's not. I can't. I went from being on autopilot, clueless to, oh shit, (laughs) you better do something quick, girl, because the world is not going to protect you. You got to do. You got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I feel like subconsciously that's why I did that. Like I knew if I it would have been easier for me to stay at Folly. Folly Beach making all that money, but where'd I be now? Right. You know, so I, and then I didn't even say at the end of that time in Charleston, I had gone through a breakup. I was in a very physically abusive relationship that I had to detach myself from. Um, I mean, like, like drag me up the stairs type abusive relationship. Like I had to get out of that. And so there's a lot of things going on where I just was like running for my life, you know? You feel like um, with the abuse, was that something that you dealt with um, continually? Was something that happened and you got rid of you got rid of the person, or was it something that you like? You know, this that stereotypical where they'll you know make excuses and you know mm-hmm. try to see the good in the person. You know, um, so you dealt with it and you you went through. It. What was the breaking point <clears throat> with that? How you know because. These th- the things that are, these things that are going on with you, like the partying to no partying, dealing with abuse to, and you stayed in the area, correct? Did you stay in the, out of, of the abusive relationship? Did you move or did you stay? Yeah, so we were both still on the same little island. So I still had to see him, okay. and he still tried to come over to my house, and I still so I had to make sure that I had to keep all that communication cut off, and it wasn't easy because he was very charming, very manipulative you know, very much blamed everything on me. Um, so yeah, there was a time from the time that I left him to the time that I left the beach to go to California. I want to say it was about a year probably that I had to, and it, it ultimately he ended up fading out and would not come over as much and stuff like that. But yeah, it was just, you know, the kind of that, I think everybody's got a breaking point where you're like, I'm done. Like I'm not, you know, going to let you do this to me anymore. And and because I'm a trauma survivor, you know, we subconsciously try to recreate our abusive situations from when we're young. It's like, it's comfortable. And so I, yeah, I stayed until something in me said, okay, that's crossed a line, Harmony, even for you, that's crossed a line. Mm -hmm. 
You know what I mean? Like throwing me out of our apartment at one point, he threw me out because he accused me of cheating on him, which I was not. Um, and I was, he came home from work and I was taking a hot bath, had my music on, my candles, was in a great mood, hadn't seen him. He'd been at home all day or at work all day. And he came in and literally long story short, pulled me out of the bathtub, screamed all the accusations. I'm now naked in the living room crying. He's obviously not liking my response. So he threw me out the front door of our apartment complex and closed the door and locked me out wow. for about 10 minutes. Hmm. Um, and it was so humiliating because I knew that it was nighttime, thank goodness, but I knew somebody was seeing something. And the funny thing is nobody did anything. Nobody ever came, asked me if I was okay. Nobody ever tried to offer help. Like even in talking about those memories, like they're still so make me so yeah, it's emotional. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, how could you do that? And like, and how did I let you, that was the pretty much at the beginning of our relationship. Right. And I, I, I hung in there with him for another year and a half and let him do things like that to me, lock me out of our house. Like, and I never said anything to anybody. I mean, there's things that happened between me and him where he was abusive that nobody knows about right. that I would happily talk about now. But, you know, it's not like I, I was embarrassed. I was carrying shame. I knew I shouldn't have been putting up with it. And I knew I deserved better. But then there was also as a trauma survivor, there's that part of you that's like, do I deserve better? Right. Such a sick. It's why I do what I do. Correct. That's one of many stories that I could tell you of why I do what I do. Yeah, I think um, it's very relatable. And again, you know, you have to be brave to share this stuff with people. Yeah. Um, f for fear of judgment. And it, does it amaze you how many people? still just I, you know when they're victimized they still fall in that victim role and just basically ex accept it and blame themselves for it and it, it, it does that when you're dealing with people because you, you're in this business of hearing people's trauma hearing people's story they're sharing things with you that their closest family members don't share. Right, right. Um, Percentage-wise, would you say on an average, how many, how much percent would you say that that's what you're dealing with? People who are just not at that place where they're willing to look at the victimizer and say, "Nah, this is you." Not blameless, but a hundred right. percent. Wow. I mean, I, I, it, even if it's just at, at the beginning, a little bit until I say, "This isn't all your fault." you know what you know when you know it, you know what I mean? You can only do the best with what you have. And it's, it really takes a lot of cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy, like just repetitive, like changing those neural pathways, like from like a really is just internal work, just telling yourself you are worthy when people, when you've seen nothing from the get go, other than you aren't worthy and then because trauma survivors recreate and they choose people that they think that they're worthy of, which means they're not choosing the best people all the time. And so all of these adult relationships reinforces what they learned as a kid. And you're having to like, you go through this weird pattern of like, okay, you're trauma as a kid and then trauma as an adult, you're not worthy. You don't feel worthy. So you're choosing people romantically and other, and in other ways too, your job, your friends, whatever that 
that you feel like you're worthy of, which is generally not enough. (laughs) And there's probably still some abuse going on because that's what you're used to. And then, so all of that, and then hopefully you have an epiphany and then you spend the rest of your life trying to unbecome all those thoughts, all those thought patterns. And it's exhausting. I mean, I, I have even seen, and this is so mind boggling to me, all the work I've done in my current relationship, my current marriage, first time I've ever been married, I can see now looking back the very minor, I wouldn't even call it abuse, but criticisms from him. Um, and that's because of his struggle. That's because of his trauma and things that he's struggled with. So he's not mean spirited in any way, shape or form. He's a survivor of trauma too. And so we, we were like just oil and water, I think. And the fact that I was letting him criticize me, I was still at 45 years old, the bliss broker, all the work I've been doing, making excuses for him. Right. For being critical to me. Right. And I'm, all I'm doing is like trying to do good. And it's like, you're still letting it happen, Harmony. You're still letting it happen. Even to, even he's criticized me through text messages and I still respond like a quiet little girl. Right. It's like bizarre. So it has to be, I mean, I'm going to be doing this forever. This work is going to have to be done every day, committed forever so that I can maintain some sanity and leave this world fully loving myself. Right. I like that. Um, you mentioned like autopilot, being on autopilot. And um, I know you used a, you used a, um, used the word hamster wheel when it comes to stuff like that. How do, how do you, how do people get more intentional? What are some things that people can do to get more intentional about their health and their well-being mentally, emotionally, physically, all of that? What, what are some things people can do? to be more intentional about it? First of all, you have to want it. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The desire has to be there. And the honesty with self is definitely imperative because until you can acknowledge the way you hurt every day, how are you going to know what you need to fix? How are you going to know if you're still playing the victim and you're still blaming I mean, I could have gone my whole life blaming my dad for leaving, but instead I opted to connect with him before he died. And I thankfully got to know him. Um, so we separated at three, he went to Hawaii, started a new family, daddy issues my whole life. I surprised him at 19. That's a fun story. You have to have me on again. Um, gotten in lovingly in his face. And then I didn't see him again until I was in my mid thirties. Um, and spent a day with him. He was local, spent a day with him and then found out he was homeless. Typical Marine Vietnam vet, you know, Mm. I moved him in with me after not knowing this man my whole life. I moved him in with me in Asheville. He was in Charlotte and I got, I did that not just to be selfless and to gift him a place to go, but I did that because I wanted, I'm selfish. I wanted to know him. I needed to know why my mom being as awesome as she had, why she picked him, why him? There has to be something amazing about him. So I did, I got to know him and I just removed all the judgment and got to, got to know my dad and 
got to see what made him tick and I got to scream at him and I got to cry and, and I got to process all of the feelings that I had, didn't have a voice. I didn't have a way to communicate how I was feeling because I never was physically around him and he was always ever elusive. So in having him in my home for that year, I gifted myself the opportunity to share how I felt about all of the things. Um, and I got to get it off my chest, the things that I felt like he was, he should be held accountable for by leaving me. And that also afforded him the opportunity to say his piece, which was, I didn't feel worthy of you guys, which was huge for me because I was able to be loving and understand his side of it too, instead of just yelling and being pissed off. And how could you leave me? Like I was able to give, I gave him an opportunity to share his side of it. And that was so healing, Rodney, to understand that he didn't feel worthy of having me as a daughter. Right. I just felt like he actually said specifically, I felt like you and your mom would be better off without me. Mm. And that was huge. <laughs> that, that was like such a huge opportunity. I'm so grateful for that. I would agree with that. Um, similar story with me and my pops. Um, you know, the, the age... The, the the time gap is a little different, but um, he reached out to me when I was about 21, 22, and I already had a, I already had my first daughter, and she's like two or three years old at the time, and you know he called me and apologized. I didn't first of all I didn't know how he got my number. He called me and he apologized, and you know he's saying that my brother, my sister, me, we you know we turned out to be great kids, and it had nothing to do with him. It was all my mother, like he's heaping praise on my mom's and. You know, it was like to hear that from somebody who they couldn't even be in the same room with each other without like arguing and fighting. So to hear him, I always thought, you know, when, as a kid growing up, you think they hate each other. Mm-hmm. But, you know, actually talking to him and like he he poured his he poured his soul out so much that I thought he was dying. I said, OK, are you dying or something? And he was like, no, I just you know, I'm just sitting here and I'm just thinking. And, you know, and he's like, what do you need from me? What do you want from me? And, you know, part of, you know, I wanted my daddy. Let's be clear. There was a huge weight off my shoulders that he was calling me and saying this and giving my mother the credit because I know she worked hard. And, you know, so so part of it was that. But the other part was like, you know, I stiffened up a little bit. and It's like, well, I don't need anything. Just just let's just have a beer. You know, that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was my way of like, you know, saying I wanted to hang out with him, but in a quote unquote manly way. And we, we ended yeah. up a couple of years later having a beer. We have a really good relationship since then. But I can't tell 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 people how much of a weight and how I didn't even know that that's what I that, that meant something to me. Because I was at this point where I was like, hey, he ain't in my life. I don't need him. But when he called, you know, I was I was, you know, eight, nine years old again. Yeah, I was just listening. Absolutely. To him. And then. Because he was so forthcoming, I got worried that he was dying. So now I'm like, oh, is everything all right? Are you dying? I thought he was calling me, you know, this is, you know, 25, 26 years ago. He's still alive to this day. So even then, you know, I didn't realize how much of a weight was coming off my shoulder. But in the the days after that, in the years after that, it definitely made a big difference. Um, And not every gift. Yeah. And not everybody. You know, my brother and, you know, not everybody's relationship with him is the same as mine now because there's going to be some, you know, resistance to that. Some people will not forgive. How do you how would you say somebody could like 
you know, about how you decide, determine if the person is genuine and especially because you don't want to get hurt again. How, how do you how do you go about that? You you move them in your house. Like how did how does that happen after not knowing them? How do you get to a place where you can say I'm going to move him in my house and trust him because that's a huge huge leap. Yeah, it is. I, and there was days I was annoyed. I mean, there was days that I was irritated with him, which really was just irritated with myself. So, but I would lash out. You know how we do. I feel like at this point, looking back on my life and the times I've made decisions like that, it's been intuition. It's just been an, a, a really clear feeling in my brain and in my gut. This is how I want to move forward with this. And because I'm not necessary, I don't mean confrontational, confrontational because that puts a negative spin on it. I am just very communicative and I feel like communication is important. And I am the one who, if me and you had a disagreement, I'm not going to feel eat laid back or I'm, I'm going to have a little bit of anxiety until I feel like you and me have resolved our issue. Mm. And I, that's how my relationship with my dad and my situation with my dad, it's all, I always carried my whole life like a underlying anxiety and discomfort about the lack of connection between me and my dad. And like, why, like, why'd you leave? I need answers. Mm. And I guess essentially to answer your question the desire to resolve the issue was way more powerful than anything else. Did you feel like him being able to get things off his chest and really speak his piece? Everybody wants to be heard. You think that allowed him, that gave him some comfort? Could you see that as you guys developed that, you know, this really was something for him too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was just like, I feel like, we're all pretty much the same. We all have different levels of, com you know, communication, comfort with communication, all the things. And people will resist wanting to open up, like you said. Um, but I feel like essentially most human beings want an opportunity to say their piece, period. I don't care how resistant they seem to it. I feel like if you can just get them to kind of break a little bit and open up a little bit enough to say how they feel, it's very healing. So was he like coming at me like, hey, let's talk. I want to I want to work through all the things that have happened. No, he was not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely led him down that road. I like so it's for lack of a better term, I forced him to open up and I forced him to talk to me. But it was one of those things that at the end he was thanking me and saying, I love you so much. Thank you so much for listening to me. And I did. I had to corner him. <laughs> I mean, I. There's no other way around it. And it makes me think of an example, like with uh, not to bring up my husband and his business, but he won't ever probably hear this. Um, but his, he's got an estranged relationship somewhat with his mom. They don't talk. That's just not the way that their family is. And there's been times where she's come and said a couple times, she's come to him and said, I'm sorry, I wish I was a better mom. And I said, I've said to him, what do you say to her when she says that? And he says, I always just say, it's okay. You know, it's, it's over and done with. I, it's, it's fine. And when he told me that she does that, she's done it a couple times, I said, you know that she's like, doesn't know how to maybe ask, but she's trying to have an opportunity to get something off her chest. And I said, and if you, the next time she comes to you and says, I'm sorry for not being, you know, a better mom, I wish I could go back and do things different. Next time, why don't you call her on it lovingly and just say, oh, okay, really? What would you have done different? 
Right. Because this is what I felt. This is how I felt abandoned, or this is how I felt hurt. And I said, not only does it, since it's a gift, you're both giving each other because you're giving her the opportunity to get things off her chest and be forgiven. And then you're giving yourself an opportunity to openly talk about the things that you still carry with you today, even though you tell yourself you don't. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I just feel like there's such a gift. I mean, a lot of times people are coming to us all the time that we that have hurt us that are dropping little clues and little breadcrumbs that, hey, maybe I'd like to talk about this and maybe I'd like to have this be water under the bridge, but we don't give them that opportunity because it feels vulnerable to us. So we're like, oh, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Yeah. We don't give them the opportunity to talk. You know, it's just really, I, there's such power in communication, Rodney, as e you know. Yeah, either either we do that or we just don't deal with people anymore. Some people cut people off and never allow them that opportunity to get back in their life. Right. And, um, and that's fair, too. Yeah. I mean, you're you're allowed to do that. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I know, For you know, forgiveness, you don't have to, everybody's not going to forget. I don't try to push it on everybody. I try to say, you know, it worked for me, but not everybody's going to be in that place. And some hurt is hard to come back from. So um, I, don't, I don't expect everybody to do it. Um, now you help people and you're going through your own stuff and you're working a, a full-time job. You're full, you're a full-time coach. You're in an accountability group with, with your ladies. You're in accountability group with, um, the podcasting all-stars you run. I know you run cause I watch your Instagram stories, but if, even if I, even if I didn't talk to you off, off radio, I would know that you run cause I watch your Instagram stories. You have a dog. Yeah. How are you avoiding burnout? I didn't even Meditation. say, you, I didn't even say, I didn't even, I didn't even ask you how much sleep you get, but how do you avoid that burnout? I'm just very, I'm very, how do I want to word this? I use, I use tools to maintain sanity. And those tools are meditation. It's very huge. Even if it's just taken five minutes to close my eyes and kind of breathe, there's a lot of power. I can't communicate that enough to anybody who's listening in meditation. Um, because that's so many answers there. If you ever have a thing that you're wondering about in life, get quiet. Your brain will tell you. It takes practice. But I do guided meditation so that I've got a voice that I'm following. Okay. And they're walking me through it. And so matching up with a voice that is calming to you um, is huge because should guide. I mean, I've done hour-long meditations where they guide you through everything. And that you come out of it feeling like a million bucks. So when you see all these people talking about meditation, there's a reason. Right. It's very powerful. Um, and really just, <sighs> I'm just specific about how I spend my time. And long story short, I do what I want when I want to. <laughs> right, all right. I mean, that that's just, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, I, I, <sighs> I do things that bring me joy so it doesn't feel like work. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. Even with my cleaning clients, they're like my family at this point. I've been doing it for two decades. They came to my college graduation. They support me. I can be real. When I show up at their house to clean, it's like I'm their their daughter. Mm. You know what I mean? I, it's not 
like work. So if I need a day off, I can message them and say, Hey guys, can I come tomorrow? Or can I put you off until next week? I really need some time. They all know I'm going through separation. Right. You know? Um, so I, I live life very authentically and I, I don't keep things from anybody. And I, I have made a conscious effort to create a life. You know, you've heard the people say you're the architect of your own life create a life that brings me joy. So it's not, it's not a life that I necessarily want to escape from. So burnout would be, um, low on the possibilities because I'm doing things that I love to do. Even cleaning. I love to clean, right. you know, I put a podcast on and I go and I'm moving my body, I clean a house for three or four hours, you know, or if I do two houses in a day, whatever, I'm moving my body and listening to podcasts. Like <laughs> it's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> So yeah, man, I sound. I'm, I need to work on that. Surrounding, like, surround myself with all the things that I love to do. I'm working on it. It's a couple of things here and there, but um, I, yeah, you I, are with your real estate. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Designing your life. Yeah, awesome. for sure. For sure. This is this is um. Well, that's a whole another uh, podcast. I do want to start talking about that in the podcast and inter inter um, and, and interview people and stuff like that about um, real awesome. estate. So I'm definitely gonna um. In that, and you mentioned earlier when you were younger, you like to travel. Uh, what's your traveling plans looking like now? Wide open since I don't have a husband anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I don't know. Like, for, first things first is getting myself <laughs> in a little spot, you know, getting myself <laughs> figuring out where I'm gonna be. Yeah. Um, because it's been really hard to find a place. Right. Um, so really just getting myself into my own little spot. This is the first up on the agenda, but obviously plan on going to the UK again. That's my fave. And I would love to go out West, go to California and visit some family out there. Um, and I would love to do an accountability group kind of road trip. That's my goal because I've got the girls in my accountability group are scattered. One of them's in Australia. So I do plan on getting over there, but it's going to be a minute. And I would love to come visit. Like, you know, I just think it would be awesome. I would love to like hit everybody that I have relationships with and even if we just meet and have a dinner while i'm on the road i think it would be such a fun experience yeah i was thinking i was thinking of trying to figure out a way that it's probably more likely that um us guys from the state would go over there yeah but, um yeah i was trying to think figure out we could we could plan obviously it'd probably take about a year or two to plan that but if we're intentional about it and we set the goal and we do it i think that'd be cool to just do that even yeah, it's really not that it's not that hard to get over there. The price point, I think we, me and my mom, the first time we went, we flew out of Newark, and it was five hundred bucks round trip. Okay. Um, and we stayed in an Airbnb in London instead of staying in a hotel because hotels are like very expensive, and you can get an Airbnb for a lot cheaper than you can a hotel. So we've navigated that and all the travel hacks. You know, I mean, there's just we got the Oyster card, which is um, basically you pay ahead for it. And you swipe that every time you're going on any of the public transit. So, I mean, there's just ways to go about doing it where you're not spending as much. Because you think, oh, Harmony went to the UK for three weeks. She must be made of money. No, you just plan. I mean, think about it. Anything we really want to do, we find a way to do it. For sure. Not. For sure. <laughs> I, would, I would agree with that. All right. So is there anything you want to leave? I want to, I want to, get, a, I want to get a quote or I want to get something from the Bliss Broker before you go. And then you can, and then, and then you can, um, well, you can tell, tell us where we can find you. Um, and then, um, so you want the quote first? Uh, no, I want, I want the quote last. 
Okay, the quote last. Okay, so find me. I made it easy. So I'm the literally the bliss broker everywhere. So you can find me LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. That's all the bliss broker. Um, the website is theblissbroker.com. Um, and my email is blissbroker at gmail.com. So there's tons of ways to find me. Just Google bliss broker and you will see me pop up. <laughs> all right, all right. That's easy. That's got to be cool and easy to do too. Because it's bliss broker, bliss broker, bliss broker. It's easy for me to remember too. I don't have to think about, it's just bl- the bliss broker everywhere. All right. Boom, done. All right. So now let me get a quote. Let me get, let me, uh, listen, I'm, I'm struggling. You know, I, 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 I hate my job. And, um, you know, I'm not talking about me. I'm just giving you a scenario. If you're a person that's coming into my life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Potential a, client. Yeah. I, you know, it's just, I can't seem to, you know, I'm eating lots of donuts. You know, the gyms are closed. I can't work out with a mask on. You know, I'm just in a rut. What would you say to me? I would say stop making excuses. <laughs> First of all, I mean, that's like... <laughs> Really? I mean, it, it really it just is about your belief system. And so that's a lot of what I tell the girls, like you got to remove and be aware of, first of all, the negative narratives, the things that are going on in your head that are telling you that you can't. Because as a lot of the spiritual leaders that I find say, whatever you believe about your life is true. Mm. Doesn't matter what that is, whether it's good or bad, it's true. And all I can say is, be mindful of the way that you talk to yourself because you're listening and you will act accordingly. So if you're telling yourself negative things all the time and playing a victim and woe is me, why is this happening to me? I deserve better. I can't believe this, this, and this stop doing that. (laughs) That's my, that's my best piece of advice is be mindful. Even if every time you say something shitty to yourself, you take a pen and you write it down you keep it in a little notebook, right? Just be very mindful of how you're communicating to yourself so that you can give yourself a leg up. Because if you're telling yourself every morning, if you're your person and you're your cheerleader and how you approach the world is going to determine how you show up in the world, well, if you're getting up every day and you're talking shit to yourself, what do you think you're going to accomplish? Probably not much of anything. Right. So start being nicer to yourself. <laughs> Offer yourself some damn grace. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, you just told me to get off my fat ass and stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. We only have today. And then, you know, just honor. Honor your gift of being here. I know that sounds super freaking cheesy and like something sewn on a pillow. I get it. I get it. And if you're not in the mind frame to hear all the positive things, you're probably like, F you, Harmony. Shut up. I want to be in misery. <laughs> but it really does. They are quotes for a reason because they're very powerful and I do realize timing is everything you have to be ready for growth it's not for the faint of heart and until you're ready to get out of that kind of like funk feeling sorry for yourself nothing it doesn't matter what you say to yourself you're not going to change right but just start being mindful of who you're surrounding yourself with start being mindful of what you're scrolling and looking at start being mindful of what you're watching you know what I mean like was it I know Denzel Washington said it in a in a speech on he was doing a, a speech at a university for a graduation. I, I don't I, know if he coined it, right. but it's one of my faves. And I know I've talked to you about it before, but if you hang around a barbershop long enough, you're going to end up getting a haircut, right. something along those lines. And it's very true. Just be very mindful of what your environment is like. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I feel like I could talk to you for hours.
how was that? Did you guys like it? I hope you did. I hope that you have an opportunity to go find Rodney's podcast. There's something there for everybody, especially if you are in a place in your life where you're trying to be inspired by people's stories and you're in a place in your life where you want to grow. So thank you. Thank you for coming in and listening. I appreciate it so much. Tune in next week for another episode of the Bliss Broker Podcast.